0: Hey guys, I'm Adam Rappaport and this is the Bon Appetit Foodcast. Alright, this week I am pleased to welcome Lulu Wong, director and writer of The Farewell, a uh, film about a Chinese and Chinese American family that come together in China under the guise of a fake wedding to say goodbye to their beloved matriarch, uh, the only person at the wedding who doesn't know she has a few weeks to live. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, it's a true story. It's all based on Lulu's real life, and it's fantastic. And it's a film in which food plays an integral role when the family is gathering around the table and sort of dealing with this very challenging situation they have concocted. Oh, also joining us on the pod is our ace staff photographer, Alex Lau, who's parents immigrated from china uh, and he deeply loved the film and it really resonated with him after that i sit down with Healthy-ish editor amanda shapiro to check in on the farmer's market challenge it's one month to cook 10 beautiful recipes each centered around an all-star piece of summer produce and we're about halfway through this already so hopefully this will inspire you to get in the kitchen now let's do this here is lulu wong and alex Lau. All right, Lulu Limong, welcome to the pod.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: And we have special guest Alex Lau.
2: I'm here. Thanks for having me. This is actually your first time on the podcast, Alex. First time, rookie debut.
0: Let's talk because you are you're kind of the um, the spark that sparked this podcast. I had, we had gotten <laughs> pitched by Lulu's publicist to for her to come on the pod. and we We're looking into it, and then about a few days later you Instagrammed about having seen the movie.
2: Yeah, I went to watch The Farewell. It was on my radar for the longest time. And saw it, loved it. Posted about it on Instagram. Adam, more often than not, uses our text messages as a stream of consciousness of whatever he's thinking to send to me. <laughs> so like maybe like two hours after I posted that, it's like, legit? I'm like, super legit, let's do it. And he's like, all right, then you're gonna talk to Lulu next week, I'm like, Okay, let's do it.
0: <laughs> Get some questions ready. I'm in. In Alex's photography, um, you spent a lot of time documenting your elderly grandmother. Sure. Yeah. Uh, who lives in Queens? Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. And interesting and obviously, the film very much enters on your grandmother. Mm-hmm. There is a respect or a sort of how the elderly are sort of viewed and treated in that culture compared to maybe some American cultures. and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the matriarch, the grandmother is the matriarch in a lot of families. And also, you know, with uh, the world changing and globalizing, I think the the grandmother is really uh, the central person who brings everyone together. And in many ways is like trying to hold it down because as generations um, are younger and they move away from home, they are less concerned with uh, coming together with the family. They 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 want to go pursue their own dreams and independence and blah blah blah. And so I think at least in my family and a lot of my friends' families, grandma's the one that's like, guys, like come home. You know, like, do you see your brother enough? Or you guys, you know, <laughs> have you checked in with him? Are you calling your mother enough? Make sure you call your mother. You know, things like that.
2: It's the same way. Yeah, I, my my grandmother's older. I think she's just turned ninety. Um, she's not doing great health-wise, but she is a big, she's still, yeah, you're right, she gravitates the family and grounds us, even though we're not all in the same place, but if it's her birthday or if she's not doing well, then the family immediately comes in to her, the little home in uh, Sunset Park. So when I saw the scenes in The Farewell, what everybody just flies to China and just meets up and and sits over a meal, I'm like, wow, this is this is real life, yeah.
0: I was watching the film, and, and it seems when you, your character played by Aquafina, goes back to China with the rest of the family to the visit the grandmother, and so many of the family gatherings happen around the table, which mm-hmm. I think is consistent with a lot of cultures. Mm-hmm. But you didn't seem to food was what brought people together, but it wasn't like a film like Chef or something where food is all really provocative, and you know, mm-hmm. with like the crispiness and the crunching and all that sort of stuff. How did you sort of like approach food in the film in terms of being central to it but not overly delicious and you know
1: yeah I mean I think that it's a very sort of western gaze uh, it's probably specifically a, an American gaze to, uh, to, to look at food pr- particularly ethnic food in this very romanticized way you know it's like a very American thing to now be like a foodie mm-hmm. and if you went back to China and you were like Trying to explain um, to the older Chinese generation, maybe even the younger generation, like what a foodie it was, they would be so confused. Yeah, they're
0: like, "Oh, you eat food every day? Yeah, so do yeah,
1: I. Yeah, <laughs> like you love food. Okay, you're human. Yeah, you're like I eat everything, and I'm just really into exploring all foods. And they would just be like, and Everybody like does everyone that, yeah. does that. That's just part of life if you don't like food what what do you live for you know and it's so ingrained in the culture and i wanted to capture that as a texture of the family and of life without elevating it beyond the other textures of life you know which is you know whether it's like walking eating like it's just you go to the bathroom like it's just part of everyday life it's normal and i think that to sort of fetishize it or exoticize it and do close-ups and really try to, like, point it out would um, do it a disservice, you know? It's it's a different gaze. It's, yeah. it's it's one that would be from an outsider's perspective. And also, on top of that, it was important for me that food was a part of the story. And that food for me um, in the movie is, is, is allowed me to, like visualize the internal tension like the lie right because food symbolizes celebration and love and it's an expression of love from grandma to feed you and if you're coming home for a wedding you're expected to of course celebrate by eating but for the family they're actually coming home to grieve Uh, and when you're grieving you lose your appetite and so Having food around all the time was a constant reminder that this is supposed to be a celebration You're supposed to be eating and how do you explain to grandma that you don't have an appetite and you don't want to eat? You can't so you just you swallow Food along with the grief as part of this lie.
0: Yeah, there's that one scene where She's like, it was I don't figure it was her mom or maybe the grandma I was like literally pie. forcing a, a yeah. pancake into her mouth like yeah. eat it she's like I don't want to eat this
2: it looks really good yeah it just
0: wasn't the time or place for it yeah
1: it's delicious I ate yeah. many of them so yeah on set <laughs> how, how did that
0: work on set so you you someone obviously is making all the food to put on a table you've got 10 12 people around the table there the actors are actually eating the food but they're doing various takes. Is the food hot? Are there leftovers for the crew afterwards? Like how? Did, like literally on set? How does yeah. that work? Yeah.
1: Well, and every scene was different. Like the meat pies, they started making them the day before and showing them to me. And like, is this the right size? Like, how golden do you want them? And you know.
0: Who is they? For instance?
1: Oh, um, so like the person who made the meat pies, for example, worked in the art department, and he was, uh, I guess chosen to be the one to do all the meat pies because he's he he knew what they were and he knew how to make them and and so he he made them and um you know you need a certain amount of oil if it's too hot then it turns really you know it gets burnt and so you know it's the right amount of oil and the, the skin and the, the meat and the, everything, right? So he made a bunch of them to show me, and I was like, Well, I gotta taste them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <Quality> <laughs> to make control. sure, yeah, yeah. quality good, to make sure they're accurate. And uh, I just remember eating meat pies. I was so sick of like the catered food by then, uh-huh. so I just <laughs> ate meat pies like the entire day. And he's like, All right, now I gotta make more. Because so, you but, ate all of them. Yeah, because I <laughs> ate all of them. So they, and I was like, you just got to keep making them because I'm, I'm guaranteed they're going to disappear. So,
0: so he did a good job.
1: He did a really good job. Okay. The meat pies were delicious. Uh, And then like, you know, breakfast foods, we we ordered a bunch of them because, you know, you do multiple takes. You have to replace them. Uh, And luckily, like none of the actors were picky about mm. what foods they ate. Eight, I feel like if I did a movie in Hollywood, people would be like, oh I'm God. vegan. Can you do like a vegan? Can so you then imagine? you have to like imitate it, but like make it the vegan version.
2: Keto, keto meat pancake. Keto, yeah. vegan, <laughs>
1: exactly. gluten free.
2: Every
0: actor would have like a little check, like a list of <laughs> check things. And it wouldn't you know. look right, no. you know,
1: if you. So I'm. Um, thank God everybody there. A- ate normal and just ate everything but it was tricky when we got to the wedding banquet because we couldn't make all that food and we so it came out of the real kitchen of the banquet hall you know especially those crabs in the in the wedding banquet we only we it's a low budget film indie film we only had an, i was told we only have enough money for 12 crabs <laughs> wow. they were like sorry lulu but this is this is what we when i have my, but my art director uh my my production designer young ok uh just like very like no-nonsense person she was like i only have money for 12 crabs that is all so do not eat the crabs unless you have to tell me which shots we actually need the crab for and uh, because you don't want to break them apart you can't put them back put it back together And so we and we were shooting over four days. And so we were trying to build the schedule around the crabs around going the bad. Because she's, like, yeah, she's like, once you cook. 12 Yeah, she's like, once you cook, because you get fresh crabs, you get it in one shipment, and then they start to go bad. Wait, I, once you cook it.
0: How much is, A, what kind of crabs were they, and how much was each?
1: They were just like large, I don't know what they yeah. were called in China, but like king crab, dungeness crab. Uh-huh. But the banquet was expensive because yeah. you got a lot of meat. Just, there's a lot of a dishes. lot of food. A and lot like, of food. Part
0: of it is like this this notion of excess. If you're having a celebration, yeah. the point is the you're have more food. than you can eat, and yeah, to celebrate. It's funny with the crabs. it scenes like there are those explicit scenes where the camera seizes on the crabs coming out because there's the whole thing about crab versus lobster and what they can afford for the love for the banquet. And and it, it's like
1: it looks like there's like a million crabs, right? we were just very smart about it because we had to recycle the crabs for like different shots and then some of the (laughs) crabs you can't eat because they paint it like they put oh like God. a thing wow. on it to make it shiny and yeah. look better for the camera. So it was this whole thing of like we've got twelve, how many can you eat, how many can you not? And then we were getting this shot of Bao, uh the, the little boy. I love oh, that oh, shot.
2: Yeah. Bao like drinking out of the crab. Yeah,
1: he's like trying to break open the crab, yeah. right? And and we shot him on like day four. I don't know if I should talk about say this, but like <laughs> the crabs had,
2: old crab. oh, no. had no. gone
1: like really bad. <laughs> oh, so I was no. like, So no. I had to I had to, can you do that trick where you put the put a cookie in his mouth and then like put the crab behind your face so it looks like you're eating it but you're actually just chewing the cookie and uh, we made him do it but (laughs) I don't think he, he was like the crab looks really good. And I was like, don't eat the crab. Oh. <laughs> did, did someone tell him not to eat it?
0: That is hilarious. Did you I'm curious, did you um, while filming in China, did you allow any of your relatives on set or were you worried that they might be correcting you like, oh, no, no, that's not how we serve this or that's not how we do this. And
1: no, I really wanted them to. I well, so, you know, little Nai, Nai mm-hmm. in the movie is my is my real little Nai Nai. Oh. So good. She's, She's so my real great aunt. Yeah. And she plays herself
2: that perm. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's her real hair.
1: Wow! All of her costumes are her real clothes, (laughs) and uh, and so I wanted her to be in the movie because she was the one who instigated the lie in real life, and I felt like nobody would bring more humanity to this character and this decision that she made. Um, more than her herself and so i was always asking her does this feel real does this feel the way that it you know like authentic to our family and i tried to get others um how old is she now i think she's 68 or something like that that's my great aunt, not my nine Nai, not okay. my grandma. So you're asking she's,
0: a 68-year-old to appear in a feature film for the first time in her life and just like, roll with
1: it? What a pro. <laughs> yeah. Like, she, and she didn't yeah. want to do it at first because she was like, I'm a normal person, yeah. I'm not an actress, and I'm going to ruin your movie with my fat face. And I was like, <laughs> no, your face is adorable. And, of course, now she's like... I'm a know. star. Yeah, now like she came to the red carpet in New York, and she was like, <laughs> oh my God. "She was like, if this movie g- goes, like, gets any awards, I'm flying myself out, and I want to go <laughs> on the red carpet." She's like, "What, what, what are you making next? Do you have a role for me?" Like, wow. she's like, <laughs> so into it.
2: Did she pick her own outfits?
1: Well, we tried to pick outfits for her, my costume designer, but I was like, none of these clothes are as good as her own. Just go shop in her closet. So that's what we did. We just said, bring your favorite outfits. And she, like, modeled them, and and then we, you know.
0: Yeah, I was trying to get a handle on – so a lot of the scenes are shot in the grandmother's apartment, around the table, and then at the banquet, and – there's always a lot of food. I never had a real sense of like, oh, is this family middle-class, well-to-do? Like, how would you describe where your family fits in the socioeconomic scale
2: in in China?
1: Well, it's a communist country, Uh so everyone's equal. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Equal opportunity in China, everybody knows that.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. But also, it's it's very subtly hinted at, but Grandma was in the army, in the Mm -hmm. Red Army. I
2: love that photo in the back that last scene where you see the photo of yeah that's my real
1: grandmother and my real grandfather really in the army yeah.
2: that was a really nice touch thank you yeah.
1: it's, it's such a lovely way for me to honor them to you know have uh, them in, in that photo but yeah because my grandmother was in the army she's um, more privileged I wouldn't say she's wealthy but you know um, she's comfortable mm. um, and uh, and uh, but, but, you know, but, but still in a modest way. Yeah. And so it's it's different than like the states. It's like wealthy middle class. it's um because, like she, her apartment is from the government and things mm-hmm. like that because she was in the army. But, yeah, but I think it there's still because her background is that of um somebody from a very poor family before she joined the army. and uh, and so the mentality is is still we can't look poor. You know, like Mm -hmm. when family is visiting, when we're celebrating, when we're putting on something like a, a celebration or an event for the family to save face you have to show off you have to show you have to have everything in abundance have you giant have to, banquets yeah. you, ha, you have to have lobster yeah. over prem. <laughs> yeah. you know
0: and the actual family was like well you we don't want to spend this money on lobster because this wedding is kind of not a real wedding And <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: yeah. And it's like it's not that important it's, they're really there to see her yeah. they don't want her to like you know go overboard with spending money and time and energy Mm. Uh, but of course for her the most important thing is her only grandson's getting married she's she needs to i think he
2: may be my favorite character by the way his hair is amazing his hair is amazing his face his facial expression he had had what maybe two lines in the movie so Um, it was amazing yeah
0: alex lao here is he's famous at bon appetit for many things but one of them is his appetite he's a a nationally competitive power lifter, and he consumes many calories a day. Um, (laughs) So when you were growing up, Mm -hmm. who was, was your grandmother the cook? Was it your mother? Who was doing the sort of the cooking in the family? And what were the meals like when you were growing up in New York and then San Francisco?
2: I mean, let me first off preface this by saying when I saw Little Bao, that was me. When I was six years old, I, I think I was over 100 pounds. And you got to see like,
0: that one photo of him, which we printed out, of him in a red Speedo on the beach with like a Pepsi and a bag of
2: Cheetos. Cherry Pepsi, <laughs> Fritos, and a red Speedo and bowl cut on Jones Beach.
1: Oh my God. that's Literally weighing amazing. 100 pounds. Literally a
2: body by like barbecue Cantonese pork and like one tons and dim sum. It was. It was amazing. It that's was just waiting to be sculpted into muscle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you were <laughs> like, already like, playing, but looking <laughs> ahead.
1: That's like, are you an only child? No,
2: I'm the youngest, so
0: it's You're basically the, young- the
1: same. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. my, my uncle is the youngest, my, my mother's younger brother, and, and she would always joke that when he was little, he was like that too. Mm. Just so spoiled and like, here, have all the food that mm. you want. And... Um, and he would eat so many dumplings that he would until he would throw up, and then and then he would throw up and then just keep eating. And he's oh, like God. ten years old, sounds and like he would just yeah, eat like sure. sounds like college fifty dumplings. Yeah, <laughs> like, just keep
0: going. Yeah, so like, What was that in your in your household? Who um, was cooking?
1: I mean, How often?
2: I, yeah, I feel like it's probably very similar. My mother did a lot of cooking. I don't like my my grandmother didn't necessarily didn't do a lot of cooking because mm. she was very older. But it was my aunt, and my and my mother, and we'd have these. Giant feasts, and we always go to dim sum. Um, but it's a very family-oriented thing. But and that—that's what I really found so fascinating in the farewell. I—I I just felt like, yeah, the food is always delicious, but that's baseline, that's expected, mm-hmm. and and it's but, always there. It's always there. It's, yeah, it, you're right. It's like it's like a secondary character, and you can be sad, you can be stressful, like, and, and still be eating this delicious food. And that's what I thought was really striking to me.
0: Is it all taken for granted? Like in America now, if you cook anything, you have to Instagram it and share it and let everyone know. Yeah. Cooking the food like in in the movies, that's a lot of work to cook all that food for that people. But it's almost on a daily basis. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a good dinner with really good food. And that's just what we do here. Yeah. Do people appreciate the mom or the grandmother for cooking as much as they are?
1: I think so. I don't think it's taken for granted necessarily in that way. It's just – people are just in the moment. It's not about like showing off to like the rest of the world what you're eating. Mm-hmm. I have to like take a photo or it didn't exist. You know, it's like no, it existed because I ate it. It's yeah. now in my stomach and <laughs> I'm going to go take a nap and it feels good, you know? There's just a, a different type of joy around the experience as opposed to needing to photograph the experience as a way to like yeah, document and somehow like yeah, and 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 call it something, you know? What
0: about so both of you in terms of, you moved to america when you were six mm-hmm. Lau, you were born and raised here mm-hmm. and so there's always with any immigrants there's those cultural divides of whatever generation and there's the scene in the movie where your character is getting at it with your mom and your mom goes like well what are you going to do here you don't even cook or clean how can you like come back to china is that in your own life what is that like in terms of like do you cook did you learn to cook from your mom or were you like going to go do your own thing and get into filmmaking and writing and whatnot
1: Oh yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't really like to cook or clean or anything. And my dad, when I was little, used to just be like walk by my room and be like, "Your room is so me- messy. You, if you can't clean, what kind of man is gonna want to marry you?" And I would be like, "That's sexist. You know, <laughs> he's gonna clean my room. I'm gonna marry so." And he's like, "Good luck," and he, you know, and we'd just like argue about that. And then my brother, who's um, a lot younger than me, he was born and raised in the states. He got really into cooking because he would watch these like food shows when he was growing up. Is when like, you know, chefs—not chef's table, but um, um, the Iron Gordon Ramsay, uh, yeah, Art, Chef and all Ma- those. Yeah. Exactly. He would like Hell's Kitchen. Like he would watch all these shows, and then he got really into like the food that my mom was making, and and he was like a picky eater as a kid. He didn't want. He only wanted McDonald's and all this stuff, and I was the really adventurous eater, and I kind of forced him into food because. For for his 11th birthday we took him to this really fancy Japanese restaurant and he was crying because he just wanted McDonald's (laughs) and I took like a piece of um, Ikura like sushi and just Mm. like shoved it in his mouth and and was like, how can you say you don't like when yeah. you don't even try? And I force fed it to him, and then he was like, in between tears, was like, can I, Can I have another that's one? Pretty good. <laughs> yeah.
2: pretty good. Can I get yeah? It
0: sounds like, and it sounds and like that Y11 was eleven year old. That
1: That's how he became like interested in food. He'll tell that story. <laughs> and now he's
0: a, and now he's a sous chef. Right? And now he's a sous chef what? at Auburn in LA. Oh, awesome! At
1: 25 years old, he dropped out of college when he was 19 to become a sous chef, or to become a chef, and and he worked his way you know up through all of these different restaurants. So. You know the expectations are so like I think my parents were just kind of old school, and my dad is like, "You're a woman, you you should yeah. cook, and you should you know." And then when my brother got into food, he was just like, "Why is my son in the kitchen like all the time?" <laughs> Welcome like, to America, not... yeah, exactly. So, so wait, wait,
0: wait. So, so do you cook it all now?
1: I cook all the time. Uh-huh. My brother will even say I'm above average, which, <laughs> wow, <laughs> uh, wow. for for a home cook, you know.
0: But do you wh- what sort of food do you cook
1: typically? Um, I I like. Uh, I like roasts, you know, because it's easy, like, and I'm pretty good at them. Like, I'll do um, asabuco, but I cook everything. Like, I, I make pasta. I, you know, I'll do steak on the grill. I love to do a really classic roast chicken. But
0: have you gone to your mom and asked her to teach you the dishes that you grew up eating that she would make?
1: I know the really simple Mm. ones. I know like noodles and things. But my brother knows now that he's a professional chef. He's basically gotten all of her recipes and he's really learned. Because some of the stuff that takes technique, it's just too much work. It's like too much like dicing and chopping, and I don't have time for that. Yeah, if you do it
0: every day, then it becomes wrote but if you're doing it for the first time yeah it's a major yeah. undertaking. just have your brother make it for you it's Exa- exactly yeah.
1: i'm like i yeah. have anthony Wait, he does
0: it. so loud we know you like to eat we know you like to take pictures i don't mm-hmm. think i've ever seen a picture of anything that you yourself have actually cooked
2: i have something to admit yes for the first time on this podcast i've shot probably hundreds maybe a thousands of bon appetit recipes i've never made one <laughs>
1: <laughs> never not never. one <laughs> not you cook one. at all
2: yeah Okay. Yeah, but I don't I don't cook with recipes. If I see like a nice chicken and like produce, I'm like I will make something and put it in the oven and roast it or See, know. but that's
1: see that like my brother would go off about this. Like that's he says that's that's the important thing. Like recipes are great, but yeah. you need to at, every home cook should have the basic knowledge of like yeah. how to roast a chicken. Yeah. Like, you know, like how does heat work with oil? Exactly.
0: If you understand technique, which is the whole basis of Samin, Nose rights book I don't want to say you can cook anything, but you can cook most things, and you understand why that dish tastes the way it does, and you can then sort of riff on your own sort of accord. But but I don't think I – I mean I don't think I've I literally on your Instagram, which is what is it, Young Blood Lau? Yeah. Y u n g. Yeah. I don't I think. think you've ever mm-hmm. shot any t- dishes that you don't share food photos typically that you're uh, that you yourself cook, do you?
2: No, no. I think it's it's like sometimes I'll think about it, but I think it's I spend. So much of my life shooting food. Yeah, the last thing I want to do is shoot food in exactly. my free yeah. time. No, but I do like shooting. I, I sometimes I, I do need a hit up my parents or my mother to teach me how to make recipes. Although honestly, I think she's gotten. I hope she's not listening to this. I think she's gotten worse at cooking. Your mom? Yeah. You
0: just said this on on air. She's you, not gonna listen she, to this. She, yes, she is. Mom. But I send it to her. It's, don't send it to her. Lau's mom came into the test kitchen few years ago to do a, to do a whole soup dumpling demo. That for doesn't us. count.
1: Why, why do you think she's gotten worse though? Because she doesn't have
2: practice. Because like she like oh, not me big and big my brothers are don't live in California anymore. She she is good, but like when when she we uh, she did a story with Bon Appétit. She freaked. I don't know if I told you this either. She freaked out and was so nervous. She practiced cooking every day. Oh my God, she was like testing re- so the he, recipe and like asking all her chef friends and like in her home and and just like sending me reference photos. I I think she's she's a good chef, but I think like you know if you don't have practice, you can't. I would good. say
0: this like I do just from my own experience. Like I'm not as nearly like uh, as sort of adventurous or exhaustive of a home cook as some people would be but I do have like my mom's go-to sort of Jewish recipes, like her Mm. version of latkes, chopped liver, Brisket, macaroons mm. and stuff, and it's and I literally have them like on note cards, handwritten down, and it's kind it's very cool to have those, cook them for your people, pass them on, yeah. and you don't need to know everything that your mom or grandmother cooked, but just to have a handful of sort of staples is 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 really worthwhile, I would
2: say. The tricky part is that yeah, I, I'm I'm sure your parents are the same. Nobody uses recipes, exactly. So I have well, spend, you have like, to be like, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have to have a day and like maybe audio record something and like write everything. But down. even
1: when I do that, they're like, you know more or less something like that something like this more or less what does that mean I'm like a cup a cup and a half she's like it doesn't really matter and this is where my (laughs) brother gets really mad because he's a professional chef and then and then he'll eat one of my mom's dishes Mm -hmm. and then say like mom you're being lazy and she was like yeah I'm like And he's like, no, last time you did this, and you you could make it better if you just did. And she's like, but that's so much work. They'll argue about it, you know, because he now wants to do everything like perfectly Mm -hmm. and in in an elevated way. And she's just like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, that's
0: literally his job, but your mom, that's not her job. Exactly. Uh, And yeah, I always had this sort of discussion with the test kitchen editors at Bon Appetit. In terms of when they're developing recipes and adding, like being so refined with all of the every single step. And it's like, well, you're in a test kitchen all day with every ingredient and tool at your disposal, and this is your job to do. When people are at home, they've got all these other things going on. They're probably not going to want to jump through all, every single hoop that you prescribe. So can, yeah. we, can we remove a few hoops?
1: Yeah, and honestly, sometimes I I'm, I get tired of perfection. You know, that's why like home cooking tastes so good because it's just love and heart. You know, they just kind of go there's a, a, a sprinkle, a dash <laughs> of of this and a dash of that, and 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 they're tasting as they go along, as opposed to like building it around a, like a standard recipe.
0: With the film. Um who when you were making it and editing it who ultimately did you think the audience for the would be for the film who do you think it would appeal most to and and how far could it spread as a you know smaller independent film
1: you know i honestly didn't think about it cuz i feel like it was um it's just a tricky thing. Once I think about it, it might limit you know, how I approach the film because when I first wanted to make the film and I started pitching it, people kept saying, Well, is it for an American audience? Is it for a Chinese audience? But I'm sure
0: uh, I'm sure investors always want to know that, right?
1: Yeah, in the beginning. And then uh, I said, well, I'm American, and the main character is American. it's It's about an American perspective into the Chinese culture. So I guess it's for Americans. But then it's subtitled, so are people gonna want to watch a subtitled movie? I don't in America. I don't know. Like I, I, think so. I would, but I'm also not your mainstream audience, um, so it's hard for me to really answer that question. And I just had to kind of make the best movie that like that would make me feel something and make me that felt personal, you know, yeah. and and hope that that translates to. A wider audience but it's really difficult to know
0: yeah, did that occur to you allow at all when you were watching it like who else would be watching this and would Americans get it or that sort of thing
2: absolutely I think I I don't want to speak on both of perhaps but I think if you're an Asian American creative literally any time you're creating something like remotely like personal or you know a kind of test your culture you you you're you're like worried about like crossing the line between like okay am I doing this and like will this only excite Chinese people mm-hmm. or will this only excite Asian Americans but where or will this only excite white people and it's where and you know you obviously want to get everybody in, mm-hmm. in, on board and I don't know I, I I've watching the farewell it honestly didn't feel. Chinese, like mainland Chinese or like Asian American to me, it just felt like an all encompassing like spirit so. and like story. And I love Crazy Rich Asians. It was great. I'm glad it came out. It's a very relatable story because I'm not a super crazy rich Asian. This was probably the first time where I saw a movie where I saw a face that not only looked like me, but I could like was me like, this mm. is my story. And um, I think that yeah it was i think i think you you just kind of hit all the bases and like uh, another another thing like honestly whenever i i saw this movie twice <laughs> um when i was in the theaters it's mostly not asian people mm-hmm. which is like you know obviously i want all asian people to see it but like that's also a testament to like it's not a niche movie mm-hmm. you know what? So. Yeah. yeah, I think
0: it's, I mean, it felt like a personal movie. Yeah, and I think personal movies in any culture, if there's like some genuine emotion and, and struggle and challenge, I think any human being is going to relate to that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but it's interesting that your point, like some of it's subtitled, some of it's in English, goes back from New York to China and back. Um, and yeah, you kind of it, it is interesting. I'm watching it, I'm kind of like, okay, where am I? But does it matter? And I guess I was looking at it more from a critical standpoint because I know I was doing this interview. But yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, I imagine, as you were editing the film and whatnot, sort of which way to lean more this way or that way.
1: Yeah. And I just really didn't think in that way because I have, you know, I have uh, Asian friends, Asian American friends. I have my family who's Chinese, uh, Chinese American. And then I have a lot of white friends and just non-Asian friends as well. And and so when I hang out with them, it's not like they don't get me because they don't Understand every part of my culture, like we relate on so many other levels, just as human beings, and and so I think that it was important for me to like take a really centered approach to making the film by saying like this is a story about family and about what is the right thing to do and how do you say goodbye to someone, and um, I'm not gonna approach it as like an outsider, you know, and looking in, but as like. Just as a person going through this experience and what people are going to connect to is the story itself these the ethical question itself and really Billy is a conduit for the audience because she, as an American she thinks this is wrong but we kind of see her journey as she's trying to like navigate these questions but the, all of the details those are backdrop it's a really important part of the movie but it's not a movie about identity necessarily from um, an aesthetic perspective it's like you know how does it feel when you look Asian like that's not what it's about it's about identity from like you know guilt uh, from like regret of leaving about immigration Um, and so like all of the textures had to be really authentic and I had to fight for that because it was just easier it's like I know how to make that film if it's real. If it, if you're telling me like for example, one of the notes I actually got was like there's just too many eating scenes, you know? <laughs> they were like there's too many food scenes and I was like, "Yeah, but that's Who the reality." Who said that?
0: Who's complaining about that? Well,
1: my my producers <laughs> yeah. said that only because they were like it's very repetitive, you know, and I was like, "I know exactly. It's very that's repetitive." The point. That's but the that's point. how you
0: get people together yeah. is around it. Right, table. And it's
1: real. And, but th- but they were worried cuz we're going all the way to China, mm. you know, and we're just every single scene is around a, a table and like you you don't see the why, like why don't we have them go take a walk in the park like let's take advantage of the production value of being in China and I was like 12 people walking through a park when grandma's dying and they're planning a <laughs> yeah. wedding like how how would I do that like how yeah. I don't know how to motivate the characters to go do and that and no one like, actually does that no right. yeah. that's the point maybe
0: like, you what? go for a walk with your wife or husband yeah. or kid but no one's like you're not getting 12 people to do anything together typically other than eat
1: exactly like i don't know like how I, I don't i literally wouldn't know how to write that because even <laughs> for me if like my dad was like let's go take a walk which by the way he would never do that but if he did i would be like no yeah like <laughs> I, like we're here for three days i want to spend my time with grandma you yeah. know so it was details like that that i had to fight for the, the the authenticity because it's like i can make that scene i know how to shoot it i know how to write it i know how to cast it i know mm-hmm. how to direct actors but if you tell me to like Go do this idea of what you think people should be doing. Like, I'm I'm at a loss.
2: But like, you really hit the nail on the head on like what a family trip, in the case of like a sick relative to China is like. You're not going around to street markets and walking around to like. You did re- like, you didn't really see much of. Where did you film? Changchun. Yeah, you didn't really see much of Changchun. It's like, you were at the hospital. You were at grandma's house. And you went to the cemetery to visit grandpa, mm-hmm. and these are really the three spots that I go to when I'm. If I'm when I went to Hong Kong, and my grandmother was sick. This is all we saw.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you loud did a, a great story for us in our May travel issue this year on on Taipei, like seventy two hours in Taipei, mm-hmm. and you hit up every single market and restaurant and this and that. But that was because you were literally working.
2: And I have never your... lived a trip like that when going to, to visit my relatives. Yeah. Ever. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, typically when you visit your relatives most time, and no matter whether your relatives live in Miami or Buffalo or Hong Kong, it's like you, you spend most of the time in a living room, yep. sitting around, and then you migrate to the de- dining room table, and then you migrate back to the sofa. Yeah. And, you know, like, that's it. And then occasionally you might go somewhere. But, yeah, you're not going exploring and checking out the cool new restaurants.
1: But that's the same as, like, you know, what I was saying earlier about the food. When you're telling this a, a personal story like this, it's like you're not exoticizing no. any of it. Mm-hmm. The, not the locations, not the food. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and, I, I, and that was the challenge was, like, how do we make a living room have an aesthetic like how do we make this very small room with white walls and mismatching art and furniture and uh, an overhead fluorescent light because yep. that's the authentic lighting that
2: specific color Yeah, like we, all over China that yeah. specific light <laughs> Yeah. No, like blue green felt it, yeah. oh. mm-hmm.
1: like it kind of like washes yeah. you out but yeah. like they love it, it <laughs> and if you don't have that light on if you just have like a dim warm tungsten yeah, yeah. like they would be like why is it so dark are you guys going <laughs> broke is yeah. that why you can't like <laughs> use the electricity
0: oh my god all right before we let you go, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Let's just say you and your boyfriend get engaged, okay? Are you having a big Chinese banquet wedding, or are you getting married on your friend's like house in Malibu up on uh, in some lawn somewhere?
1: I don't know. I mean, I think that like my extended family, my only like my grandma and all those people, so d- depending on who's around, but like um my parents don't care about that stuff really. And like I don't care about that stuff. Uh it's like it's it, it's a it's a it's a, it's a lot like a, it's like a production and like yeah. I, I work in it's like a movie film, yeah and i'm just like i don't want to put on a show for anybody it's like you can never really enjoy it if you're hosting something like that because you're not in it you're trying to take care of everyone else so i don't know my dream would just be to like elope maybe and like on a beach somewhere I
0: don't know. <laughs> all right final question pasadena city hall yeah, yeah. F- final question crab or lobster
1: Crab. I actually like crab more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we
2: figured it out. We nailed it. Uh, Alex Lau,
0: Lulu Wong, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Thanks so much to Lulu and Alex. And now here is Amanda chatting about corn and tomatoes and cucumber and peaches and eggplant and all the things you should absolutely, definitely be cooking with right now. Okay. So, Amanda. Yes. First question. Yes. Is it really a challenge?
3: It depends on how ambitious you want to be. Hmm. You know, I mean, I think for people who are already cooking a lot, uh, cooking with these ingredients is not really a challenge. It's just like a fun thing to work into your normal routine. If you're not really like as comfortable, if you don't go to the farmer's market as often and you want to, this is sort of like a kick in the butt to to get you moving in August, which is like the best time to cook, I would say.
0: Even though heat is required, but you're saying the ingredients are like the most abundant and ripe and plenty.
3: Yes, I know this is a controversial thing to say, but when I talk about cooking in August, I don't mean you're spending very long in the kitchen. That's actually what makes it such a great time to cook is because so many of these ingredients need so little to taste amazing.
0: So this is the second year of the Farmer's Market Challenge on our healthy-ish, uh site. The original premise was what in terms of structuring it and how you wanted to present this to the user slash reader?
3: Yeah, so unlike our feel-good food plan, which is our January challenge that happens over the course of 10 days, 10 recipes in a row— this is ten recipes over the course of a month, so it's a little looser. We're not necessarily saying you have to cook them in order, which you don't have to do with the feel good food plan either. But it's really more about giving you the opportunity to highlight some of the best produce around in the market right now over the course of the month.
0: Okay, so like, yeah, what's really quote unquote popping right now? And like, I, I mean, I will say this: like, I, there are times where I'll go to the farmers market and I see like, oh my god, there's so much like amazing eggplant, like Japanese eggplant, those round ones and the big ones, and I'm like, I feel like I should buy them, but then I'm like, what's the best thing to do with them? And then I don't know. Then I'm just randomly searching the internet for 7,000 recipes.
3: Yeah. So our challenge, I think, is a great mix of certain ingredients that are definitely all-stars. Like, nobody has to tell you what to do with tomatoes, right? Like you know a million ways that you're going to love to eat a delicious heirloom tomato, starting with just like on its own with like a little salt or on toast or in pasta or this or that. So those ones are just ones we know people love. We're going to give you in our challenge here, we have a spaghetti with no-cooked puttanesca sauce. Um, It was also in the August Bon Appetit issue, and it's so good, so easy. But then there are other ingredients like, say, red peppers like you might not think of those as a seasonal ingredient but they're all hitting the markets right now and they're really really just fresh and crisp and delicious and so for that one we did a roasted red pepper frittata oh yeah also from the issue uh from the august issue and that one you know you cook them down they get really roasty and delicious and soft and then you jammy yes jammy one might say uh, and then you put them in a frittata, which might not be the thing that you'd think to combine. you yeah. know, To put in with So
0: yeah. So structurally, each we there's ten categories. Each category is an ingredient. So we, we've got summer squash, peaches, corn, mint, fresh mint, peppers, uh, dance break. I see that in the middle of the uh, the pot the um, the package online. We can get back to that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, eggplant, cucumbers, tomatoes. Swiss chard and then berries and for each ingredient gets one recipe a few of which you've mentioned already Let's I want to if we can just run through them and then I would like to know which ones you yourself have been cooking and digging on particularly yes. um so i'm going to read like the menu so we have a okay. uh homemade homemade hummus hummus we store are bought? yes
3: we well you can use store-bought if uh-huh. you want to cheat i will t- admit that i cheated and oh, i got okay. hummus but i got it from damascus which is the delicious middle eastern grocer in new york city so i didn't feel so bad about it <laughs> you don't have to make your own hummus for it you can
0: uh, that is with spiced summer squash and ground crispy lamb Uh, this one's gorgeous. I've seen this on the internet on the, I mean, on the Instagram, uh, cucumber and peach salad with fresh herbs, a coconut creamed corn and grains with crispy shallots, Uh,
3: it's it's actually vegan. uh,
0: minty lemonade, minty limeade, excuse me, which I I remember in the test kitchen, I was disagreeing with Andy Barragani about how limey it should be. We can get to that in a second. We got your roasted red pepper frittata, uh, stir fried eggplant with basil and chilies that looks gorgeous and there's a little ground pork in that one also right
3: yeah there is and you can use ground pork you can use ground chicken you can even use crumbled tempeh or tofu if yeah. you want to make it vegetarian
0: and i think what's interesting about ish in general as a site is that it's vegetable forward but not vegetarian necessarily is that right. fair to say?
3: Yeah, and we like to give people options too. So like, if we are gonna include meat, we like to have some kind of idea for an alternative if you don't want to use meat.
0: Cool. Napa cabbage with cucumber slaw. I've been big a Napa cabbage lately, just making up any and every kind of slaw. I mentioned the spaghetti with no-cook puttanesca. Um, herb jam. What is an herb
3: jam? All right, so this one we the the ingredient we're highlighting is Swiss chard because you do want to use a pound of a hearty green like either Swiss chard or spinach, mature spinach, not the baby kind, but then you also add in I think it's like 3 cups of herbs. And what you do is you combine them all and you really cook them down until it's like until they are like really pretty jammy um, and then you add a little bit of aromatics and then what you end up getting is sort of this savory spread that you're mm. going to want to eat on toast with like either a little bit of ricotta or whipped feta it's a delicious breakfast it could work as lunch it's just like a all-purpose toast of the summer P- i would say you
0: could put an egg on it perhaps
3: you would definitely want to put an egg on this yeah
0: and then finally strawberry raspberry fools which is basically macerated fruit with a lot of whipped cream okay so here's the deal amanda I know you love all your children equally, but you get to pick three of these recipes that you take with you, and the other like seven have to walk the plank or something. Like, what are the three from the Farmers Market Challenge 2019 that are your favorites?
3: Okay, I'm going to go in order. There's no order actually. There's no order of preference here. These are all three of my my triplet favorites. equally favorite. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Number one, and I'm not saying this because it's also number one in the challenge, but the hummus with the summer squash and lamb. Is amazing.
0: So so yeah, so talk us through that one.
3: So this recipe actually came from Deb Perlman. You might know of oh, yeah. Smitten Kitchen and BA Print Contributor.
0: She has a column in the magazine called The Picky Eaters Club in which she writes about cooking for her own kids who can be a little picky.
3: Right. And so this recipe we just... Saw it, and we thought this is too perfect for the Farmers Market Challenge because it's easy, it's you know comes together quickly, and it highlights summer squash. Um, and it does what we just said, which is it uses a little bit of meat as flavoring, as kind of an, a component of it, but it's not the main focus of the dish. It's really about the summer squash and the hummus. And you know, you want to get some pita to scoop it into. Mm. It's just a really fun. Thing to eat. So
0: summer squash can be yellow squash, kind of zucchini. Also, mm-hmm. what do you what are you doing with the summer squash?
3: So you're doing a pretty hard cook on the summer squash as opposed to last year's Farmers Market Challenge. Our squash recipe was this basil squash pasta that you really cook it down until it gets really jammy. Oh,
0: that's a good one.
3: Yes, it's a great one. Yeah. So in contrast this year's is you do a pretty hard fast saute like it's only in the pan for like three or four minutes and it's covered in lots of um, really aromatic strong spices coriander red pepper flakes and so it gets really coated in that and then you take that out and you um actually i think it's actually frying in the leftover like lamb mm. oil if you choose to use the ground lamb gotcha. so it's super flavorful super kind of crisp on the outside tender on the inside yeah.
0: And then, like I said, sort of those some warm pita bread,
3: mm-hmm. um, and
0: you can either make the hummus yourself or store-bought.
3: Yep, totally easy. Love that. Um, my next favorite child is definitely the stir-fried eggplant. I actually made that last night. And I know I picked the two with meat, but I actually made the <laughs> eggplant last night, and I did it instead of ground pork. I just cooked um some whole salmon fillets in the pan after i did the eggplant
0: when you say did the eggplant what does that mean
3: so the eggplant i used um fairy tales which are these really tiny kind of baby eggplants that only come around this season but you can use any kind of long skinny one like japanese uh, or chinese eggplants um there's even those italian kind of heirloom ones that are really kind of speckly and pretty
0: but you don't want like the big sort of eggplant parm ones necessarily
3: i wouldn't if you use those i mean i'm not the expert but i would want to like um, salt them and squeeze them a little bit Mm. so you don't get the bitterness and so they might need to cook a little longer but these fairy tale ones are these long skinny ones they cook so fast and they get kind of creamy on the outside without to- or on the inside without totally falling apart. Yep. So those go in the pan just long enough. It's a super hot pan, just long enough to get kind of like a sear on both sides, get that creaminess in the middle. Then you're going to take them out of the pan, put them on a um put them on a, you know, a plate and then you do your ground pork if that's what you're using or what I did was just did some seared Crispy-skinned salmon fillets. Took them off, and then you have this glaze that you're that you're making. It's got honey in it. It's got crushed red pepper flakes. It's got rice wine vinegar. It's got soy sauce in it. It's so flavorful, and that honey is gonna really thicken and caramelize the glaze. Mm. So you throw that back in the pan with the eggplant. I threw the salmon back in there. kind of broke it up and just tossed everything together. And it wasn't as beautiful as it could have been, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, the picture. In the the picture on
0: healthyish <laughs> at behealthyish.com. Uh, Is gorgeous. You see that purple skin of the eggplants and all caramelized. Um, But I also think what you've mentioned about the uh, the glaze, like it has all those components. It has a sweet element in the honey, it has the acid in the rice wine vinegar, and it has the salty in the soy. Yeah, you know, and, and those, it's got some spice. And some spice, and it kind of gives you everything you need in a sort of a glaze. And I'm sure if you didn't have honey, you could use maybe agave or something. You can just, you, as long as you have those components, is what you're looking for.
3: Yes, and this recipe actually reminds me a lot of one from last year. So you throw in, um, I forgot to mention, you throw in a handful, pretty big handful of basil into mm. this one. And cooked basil, like just gently cooked in a really kind of spicy, flavorful, s- slightly sweet sauce like that, is is just so delicious and I realized this last year when we did our um, shrimp and basil stir fry which was our basil was one of our ingredients in the farmer's market challenge last year and that basil and shrimp stir fry I remember like that was one of the most popular recipes people still make it all the time I think it ended up in one of the issues just because it's so easy and that flavor combination is just like magic
0: yeah I think just that just quickly cooked through so it's super fragrant you get that in thai food a lot where it's just mm-hmm. yeah, basil as not just as a, a accent but as a, a a main ingredient yeah all right i'm really hungry now <laughs> all right we got one more You want my third yeah.
3: favorite child okay so that has to be okay i haven't made them all yet in in my defense but i would say of the ones i've made the spaghetti with no cooked puttanesca and this is like pretty a big deal for me to say because I love our no-cooked tomato sauce recipe, and it has a lot of the same ingredients. It, it comes together really fast, but this one I think actually Might win out over that one on basically because this one adds. I mean, it's the puttanesca, right? So you have the capers, you have the olives, you have just like a hint, like a little bit more complexity than just, you know, tomatoes, garlic. Um, And the fact that you're using kind of both heirloom tomatoes or whole, like beefsteak tomatoes that you're um, blending and then you're adding cherry tomatoes to that, I think is really a it's just kind of a really smart way to get the two textures of tomatoes combined into one dish. Yeah, I
0: think what's fun about this also, so if you're like, and what's unique about this at the farmer's market is that, like, this time of year, you can also go and buy a bunch of different types of little tomatoes like the the sun golds and the regular cherry and the grape tomatoes and some are yellow and some are orange and some are red and you can oftentimes at a lot of good stands they kind of all cost the same so you can mix and match a bag yeah and that's really fun even green little green tomatoes and you can then make this sauce that you've got all these like little pops of color yeah which yeah visually and and they all taste a little different the visual is, is really nice yeah um, and i think that's what i love about going to the farmer's market now is that abundance of so many different types of the same thing but all a little different
3: Right. Like, like I was saying with the eggplant, you don't have to use the one exact type that we call for. Like, See what looks fresh at the market, see what's appealing to you, and just like go with it. And it's probably going to be delicious, because that's what things taste like this time of year.
0: Okay, so you can find all these recipes at BeHealthyish.com uh, under the Farmers Market Challenge. And are we people sharing recipes, Amanda?
3: Uh, yeah, so you can go on on Instagram. We're posting all the recipes over the course of the month, and we're asking people if you if you cook a recipe to post it and tag Healthyish and do hashtag Farmers Market Challenge so that we can see and regram and share.
0: Awesome! Thank you, Amanda. Yeah.
3: The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che, and produced and edited by Emma Wartzman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.